You're listening to the Q's Podcast, Episode 65. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Episode 65 of the Q's Podcast. This is the show where we speak with credit union industry leaders and cross-industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. My name is James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. We care about your ability to learn and grow as credit union professionals. That's why we're pleased to share with you our new content website, cumanagement.com, the go-to source for in-depth industry content. The new cumanagement.com is designed to be part of our industry's daily routine and as an essential resource for learning and development. It features compelling articles, blog posts, videos, podcasts, white papers, and generates daily content for all levels of the credit union. Be sure to check it out. Our guest for today's show is Kathleen O'Connor. Kathleen is a gifted speaker and trainer. In addition to her duties of serving as professor at both Cornell University and London Business School, she'll discuss how to lead an engaged and inclusive credit union. This episode is actually a precursor to the workshops she'll be leading at the upcoming Q Symposium. Q Symposium is a unique conference that fortifies the partnership between your credit union CEO and the board chair. By attending together, the pair shares learning experiences and team building opportunities, resulting in a powerful duo that works well together, ultimately strengthening your credit union. This specialized event is highly interactive, providing opportunities for your CEO and chair to share ideas, problem solve, and develop plans ready to take home and implement immediately. Kathleen O'Connor will be there along with Ram Sharam, global business and leadership consultant and author, David Horsager, CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute, and Jim Brown, principal consultant, the table group, and consulting partner of Strive. It is sure to be a special professional development experience. You can find out more about Q Symposium and register at qs.org slash S-Y-M-P. All right, we're just about ready to start the interview. Some key things to listen for in my interview with Kathleen O'Connor include engagement is often discussed. We'll define what it actually means, why it is good for individuals and businesses to nurture engagement and inclusion, and suggestions on how individuals and businesses can teach, coach, and facilitate practices to support these measures. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you for coming on the Q's podcast. Welcome. Thanks, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. This will be fun. Now, Kathleen, I often start the show with a bit of inspiration. Do you have a mantra or success quote that you live by? (laughs) Well, I do have a mantra of sorts. I'm not sure that it's ensured success, but my slogan in life is, what's the worst that happens? I have an approach to life that's rather experimental, a kind of um, what if, why not approach, and it's led me to some pretty interesting places and some interesting experiences. So so if I, if I were to say pick one, I think that would be it. Wonderful. I like that as well. You didn't say the word risk, but isn't that a little bit about that? It's good to stretch yourself and your team, your organization, take a little bit of risk. That's how we make growth, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that is absolutely our our approach to life is, is a, a, about, where I think it's about as a psychologist, about stretching oneself and trying things. I know that I sometimes hear about, you know, read in the newspaper or hear on the radio something, a story about somebody who scaled a mountain or went scuba diving and you know, there are those moments when you say, oh, gosh, I could never do that. And I think that the mantra does have to be, well, why not? 
right? Why not give it a try? The world is full of interesting experiences and things we can learn from. So absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Kathleen, could you please tell our listeners about your teaching and consulting practices? What are your areas of emphasis? Absolutely. Thanks for the question. I, I have a PhD in organizational psychology. And what that means, I've spent much of my career studying what makes collaborations effective. And I've covered that question from a range of different perspectives. So for instance, I've studied how people's facial features influence how much they get in their negotiations, which is a bit of an odd uh, odd set of uh, studies. Uh, I also look at how confidence in our own abilities makes a difference to how well we perform in challenging situations. And the punchline is that it, uh, confidence matters a great deal, uh, oftentimes more than real skill. I also look at, and I've done some research and published some papers on how being too much of a people pleaser really does drive down our outcomes in difficult conversations. So, so those are the kind of research questions, but my teaching and consulting goes beyond that. I think over my 25-year career, I've had a number of conversations, probably hundreds of conversations with managers and with leaders, and they often ask me, what can I do, what can we do at my firm and my credit union to make our workplaces happier and healthier, as well as more productive and creative? And so that's really where I focus a lot of my consulting and teaching is around how to help managers create conditions that will help their employees thrive. So I teach sessions, for instance, on how to create cultures that encourage the risk-taking we were just talking about and, and experimentation if you want innovation. You need to try some things, right, pilot some things and see how they work out. I also teach sessions on how managers can foster feelings of safety. We do know that that with the world changing quickly and and lots of new ideas and new pressures, uh, new, new opportunities coming down the pike, that people need to feel comfortable taking risks and trying some new things. So I, I talk to managers about that. And, and finally, I've got another uh, set of sessions that I often do um, that I sort of cheekily call how to let go to get more. And that is confronting our own fears of letting, con- letting go of control so that the people around us, the people who report to us, can get more done. And again, be happier and more productive at work. That's probably a long answer to your question, but that sort of captures what I do. That's great. Uh, very informative, very relevant. Uh, and you're right, there's so many pressures from a lot of different angles. These are all good things. That's why we were able to connect with you and we're so excited that you'll be speaking at the upcoming Q Symposium this coming January. You will be leading a discussion on leading an engaged and inclusive credit union. And that's the title of this podcast as well. So it's a little bit of a precursor. And at the end of the conversation, we can share a little bit of how you're going to go a little bit deeper on the subject matter. While we know that engaged employees are happier, more satisfied, Uh, more productive and oftentimes more creative. Most employees report feeling disengaged. Let's start out broad and then narrow the scope a bit. How do you define engagement? Good question. Good question, because I think we do have to start with that if if we're going to have an interesting and informed conversation. So I use the definition that researchers who study the concept of engagement uh, tend to use, and that is a definition that states that engagement is a positive, work-related, state of fulfillment, characterized by vigor, dedication, and absorption. So let me restate that in, in, uh, in plain English. Uh, it's, this, it's a feeling that we have, and it, and it passes, it comes and goes, that we really feel very fulfilled at work. And again, I say characterized by vigor, dedication, and absorption. 
and I'm using those terms very specifically. So, you know, there are days you may have when you're fully engaged at work. Those are days when you feel alive, when you feel energized, when you get up in the morning and you just can't wait to start working. There are days when you feel highly dedicated to your work, that is, proud of the work that you do and committed to doing the best job. And then there are days when you feel fully absorbed. I don't know if you have these very often, James. I don't have them nearly enough, but these are the days when I forget to have lunch. I'm so caught up in the work I'm doing. I'm so attentive to what I'm doing that time just flies right by me, right? It's the kind of thing where I may come home and have dinner with my family, and I can't wait to get back to my computer to continue the work I was doing, not because there are particular deadline pressures or my boss is, you know, demanding uh, that I deliver something tomorrow, but rather I'm so engaged that I have that sense of energy, that focused dedication, and also I'm getting really carried away in the work. So when I talk about engagement, that's how I'm thinking of it. Do we have days that sound like that? I like that last part, absorption. I, I can get that way as well, and uh, but it's just you know, uh, a desire, a love, uh, an interest, a deep interest in, in the work. So all very good stuff, bigger dedication and absorption. Why is this good Kathleen for people and for businesses? That's a really good question. Um, it's good for people for some of the obvious reasons, right? We like to feel that way when we feel that way. We're really self-starters, aren't we? We, um, if I certainly, I know that if I'm, when I'm in a boss role and I have people around me and I have reports and colleagues who feel this way, who show up energized and are completely dedicated and absorbed, I, could, I just need to focus on what I'm doing. I don't have to monitor them. I don't have to um, micromanage them. I can really take my hands off the wheel in a way um, and, let, and let the systems work, let them work and, and, and focus on what I'm doing. For the business, it's a pretty straightforward reason, which is to say, having me as a manager, having you as a manager, James, have to watch what everyone is doing all the time, make sure they're not slacking off, make sure they're on the right project, make sure they're meeting their deadlines. All of that takes you away from the work that you also need to be doing, maybe more strategic thinking, maybe meeting with customers or clients. Uh, that kind, the kind of planning that needs to be done at, um, at the more senior levels. And so the business benefits because it really creates a self-managing system, right? Engaged employees are great self-managers, and that frees us up to do our jobs, and it really unleashes the business to be able to work at maximal efficiency and effectiveness so we get better results. I like that. You make some great points there. It's a good setup uh, for my next question. Can you provide an example or a situation or two to drive home the point of understanding human needs is critical to creating engagement and inclusion? Absolutely. Let me start with, if I can, a coaching exercise that I sometimes give to clients, and I'll follow up with a little bit more on this. So the coaching exercise I often give um, to my clients who are you know, kind of at loose ends, right? Sometimes our friends, our colleagues, they're just not connected at work. They're not as motivated as they used to be. They just, they just aren't excited by the work anymore. So with my coaching clients, I will often say, okay, for the next two months, six to eight weeks, every evening before bed, write down the answers to two questions. The first is, was this a good day or a bad day? That's it. Good day, bad day. No okay days, good day, bad day. And the second question is, what made it a good day or a bad day? And then I have them after six to eight weeks, 
reflect on the pattern of those answers. Now, one set of answers is, am I having more good days than bad days? If you're having more bad days than good days, that's, that's an actionable insight. Let's do something about it. If you're having more good days than bad days, then I think you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty lucky, and we can still work on that. But it's the bad days and the good days answer, the reasons that really shed some light on who we are and what's going on. So that second question, the patterns around the, the answers to the second question, typically fall into one of three categories. Um, there tend to be days when we're not um, in control of our schedule, of how we organize our work, that kind of thing. So it's a real lack of what, what scientists would call autonomy. A second reason why we often have bad days is because our need for belonging hasn't been met. We all have a deep human need to connect and be part of relationships, to connect uh, in families, of course, but also at work. So there are some times when we feel at work that we're being left out, maybe marginalized. They look like they're having a more interesting time. There are more challenges happening in other parts of the credit union, and we're not part of it. The third category of reasons why sometimes people feel like they're not having good days is because they don't feel like they're, they're playing to their strengths. And this is a real problem in lots of organizations. That is, we're assigned to tasks, and some of the tasks we may be good at, but over time, either those tasks no longer challenge us, they don't play to our strengths, or they're just, they're just misassigned. That kind of leads to, I think, some of the, the responses the to my next question, which yeah. is, oh, what yeah. kind of advice would you give credit union leaders who want to support these kinds of positive efforts in the organization? Yeah. How do they teach, coach, and facilitate practices to support these measures? You know, when you were talking just now, it reminds me of yeah. uh, a mentoring relationship. There is some uh-huh. some commonality here of, of, of that, but uh, yeah, if you could uh, expand a little bit more that's on a, that. That's a great example, James. Mentoring is a great example because, so I love your train of thought. You've absolutely got this down. These are not tough concepts, and I love your connection to the kinds of relationships that people have in their credit union. So a mentor is absolutely somebody who creates for us a sense of belonging. We're part of a relationship with someone who's essentially cheerleading us, giving us advice, right, helping us in the second instance discover some of our competencies, Right, encouraging right. us to challenge ourselves, to, to take on, volunteer for roles we may not feel fully ready for. And so I think mentoring does hit some of those. If we're going to get to some kind of practical advice, if, if, if leaders who are listening kind of buy my argument that there are these three basic human needs around autonomy or control, as I'm saying, um, belongingness, the sense of being part of something, and also our need to play to our strengths, then it's, it's pretty straightforward. And in fact, I often have executives do these in my programs, which is, okay, go off in a team, in a group with your manager, your top management team, with your senior leadership, and just generate some practices. What would it mean to give our employees a bit more autonomy? What would it mean to let them control their schedules a bit more? What would it mean to let them organize their work their, the, organize their work and how it gets done on their own. Those are, you know, some very basic ones around autonomy. Just what, what would happen if we just kind of took our hands off them for a little while and, and, saw, and just observed? And more often than not, in my experience, the leaders come back after having done that kind of experiment and say, oh, my goodness, they seem so much happier. Like, one, they're capable. They actually could do it without yeah. my constant, you know, poking and guidance, and they're much happier as a consequence. The belonging is easy. I think a lot of credit unions do this. I think a lot of good managers are probably already doing this, which is, 
you know, do we, do we do things like, do we celebrate birthdays together? Do we have a sense that we're all in this together? Do we kind of gather when we can to celebrate each other when we have the opportunity to say, Hey, thanks so much to a colleague. And I really appreciate what you're doing and really acknowledge that they're a helpful, valuable part of the team. Are we taking those opportunities? And so very straightforward pieces there. And again, that's connected to your mentoring point. And the third is, are we taking time, this is what I urge managers to do, to get to know the people who work for us. What are some of their strengths? Are we sort of being a little bit lazy and saying, well, I'm going to give it to Joyce because Joyce is always so good at this. Well, Joyce might say, I'd love to try something else. I'd love to ride along to the meeting. I'd love to get better at delivering presentations. I'd love an opportunity to work more closely with member support or whatever it might be. So... Very basic, and I think it's just for me. I just set I set them loose. I'm always I'm never I shouldn't say that I'm never surprised. Executives hmm. and managers go off, come up with a couple of ideas for each of these, implement them right away. Very inexpensive, easily implemented, and uh, and watch engagement scores really go up in the workplaces. Very easy. That's great, great uh, perspective, great thought. So it's simple. It can be easily mm-hmm. done. It does require some structure, and it also requires yeah. uh, reflection and, and time, Absolutely. time for reflection and looking Absolutely. through patterns and continuing the, the dialogue that way. That's great. What will, what will be the impact on members, on, for example, in our case here, uh, serving our audience here, credit union members, if staff is mm-hmm. engaged and treated inclusively? Is, can you address that a little bit? Absolutely. Let me, let me, there are sort of two, two points, I think, in the question. The first is, when we have an engaged workforce, what does that mean for our, for our members? And I think that an engaged workforce is dedicated and positive and enthusiastic and happy and takes the initiative. So there's no question that members will get better service, right, mm-hmm. when they're dealing with employees who are feeling highly motivated and highly dedicated to the, to the success of the credit union. And so that's an immediate kind of gain. Um, the, second is what, the second question is really, could we use this framework, these human needs of autonomy, a sense of belonging, and a sense of competence, to better engage our customers? So, so not just use it internally, but what if we reached out beyond the credit union and, and, and considered our members? And I, and I think that that's, there's some space there for us to kind of play and experiment. I mean, I'm thinking about credit unions do this very nicely, right, the idea that we do talk about members. Mm-hmm. and not customers, that we do, that is speaking to people's need to be connected and belong to a community of, of other folks who are like-minded. And so, so I think that we already have an edge, we credit unions, when we, when we talk about engaging our customers. That's quite clear. I and mean, I think a little bit back to the old slogan for American Express, which I think credit unions actually came up with first informally, right, which is membership has its privileges. Um, and I think that, again, credit unions have this down, down very nicely. Uh, in terms of the autonomy, I think that the more you can lift any kind of bureaucracy or paper pushing or, you know, hoops that people need to jump through um, so they can just kind of get what they need and control things, and I think the, the better it will be. I mean, I think that that's a lot of the drive behind some of our, you know, technology-enabled services, right? It's really about making everything available, maybe through an app or in people's handheld devices so that they can get what they need that much more quickly without having to ask a lot of permissions and, you know, having to give up some control of their day to get paperwork signed and that kind of thing. So I do think that that is something that 
um, we can offer, of course, to our members. The competence, you have me stumped. I don't know that members need for competence we can, we can address, but I'm not sure that's true. I mean, there might be ways of, of engaging folks to, to, to participate, to volunteer, to if there are ways we can get. I, I know that credit unions that, that I work with are very embedded in their communities, and, and maybe there are ways to have the members of those credit unions join along for you know community days out or that kind of thing. That might be another way that we distinguish ourselves from other financial institutions and also uh, give members um, an avenue for meeting that need. That might be one we could consider as well. Oh, that's excellent. Now, uh, just before we close here, as noted earlier, you'll be speaking at the upcoming Q Symposium, uh, CEO and board chair exchange. It's pretty unique for the industry. What can attendees anticipate from your sessions at this very unique professional development experience? Well, first I should say, I'm so grateful to Q's for inviting me to take part in the event. I was, I participated maybe 10 years ago now and really enjoyed it, met some really terrific folks. So I'm pleased to be part of it again um, this year. Um, as you said, this year we'll be talking about leading and the, the notions around engagement and inclusion. So in our time together, I intend to lead a, a pretty interactive session that features a story of a very successful middle manager, not of a credit union. I want us to kind of stretch ourselves a little bit and think about a middle manager in another industry, in another firm. And this person uses rather novel and quite inexpensive tactics for creating and leading a productive, creative, and engaged team. So nice examples, very tactical and practical pieces in there. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I'm going to get into some greater detail on that ABCs of engagement framework we've been referencing, asking participants to go back to the story to, uh, to kind of under, unearth some of the tactics and, and how they can be considered part of that engagement framework. So very helpful. Now, look, we live in it. Let's be honest. We live in, we live in a world of Ted talks and podcasts like this one. Yes. Um, so there's no lack of information about how leaders and managers can improve. So, What's critical is not just delivering the message, it's also giving folks a chance to work with the framework, to put it into practice, to start to understand how it operates and and really do the translation. So I'm learning this here. How do I go back to my credit union, wherever it may be, and start to put these ideas into practice? So I will also have folks work across, you know, work with their, the CEO and, and board chair will work together, but also with other CEOs and board chairs to generate some practices right there on the spot um, that could help build, again, build engagement through autonomy, belongingness, and competence. And it works really beautifully when people, you know, really jump into it. And, and I never find that the Craig and folks have any problem uh, jumping into things and, and getting their hands dirty. So I look forward to the ideas they generate. And then we do a little piece at the end where they're able to share them. And, and I find that it's it's really wonderful when they walk around and start taking <laughs> photographs with their mm-hmm. phones of the various ideas that, that have surfaced during the session. So, again, we'll, we'll talk about a case um, that's I think, brings some of the concepts to life. I'll get into more of the scientific details around the framework, and then we'll end with an opportunity to to come up with some practices they can bring home and use immediately. This is exciting. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. Uh, as you said, we had you there in the past uh, a number of years ago. So super excited. Uh, very practical advice here in this episode. I think I think our listeners will appreciate that as well. Uh, they can uh, use that uh, with their colleagues 
back in the uh, credit union office. So uh, before we go, though, uh, if listen, sorry, before we go, if listeners want to know more about your services, Kathleen, how best can they connect with you? Oh, sure, James. Um, I have a website. It's www. Kathleen O'Connor, all lowercase, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-O-C-O-N-N-O-R. That's www.kathleenoconnor.co.uk. That is .co.uk. It's an unusual suffix for Americans because I took my own advice. What's the worst that happened? And I relocated from New York to London about seven years ago. That's so right. So I'm now based in... Absolutely. I'm now based in London, and so if they want to learn more, that's an easy place for them to, to pick up some details. So so I appreciate the offer to share that with the listeners today. And I thank you very much. I know we're in a four-hour time zone difference, and I appreciate you <laughs> connecting all the way from uh, London, England. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been uh, nothing but a special treat. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks so much, James. Take care. See you soon. Bye now. Thanks, listeners, for connecting with the Q's podcast again. If you'd like to reach out to us about the show, it's easy. Our email address is podcast at cues.org. If you wanted to find out more information about the Q's Symposium and how to register, you can do so by going to cues.org slash S-Y-M-P. For more talent development content from Q's, visit cues.org. If you are a Q's member, you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development. Visit Q's.org slash membership to learn more. Q's is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, board of directors, and future leaders. To learn how Q's can help you realize your potential, visit Q's.org today.